1: Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. And kooky, I'm pretty sure it's dead It's coming this way Wait a minute, hey, I'm ghosted By Roz Hernandez Hey, boo, it's me, Roz And welcome to Ghosted by Roz Hernandez The podcast where I talk to people that I like About the paranormal, this week I am joined by one of my favorite people in the whole wide world, someone who really doesn't need an introduction, even though I do give her one. Uh, Karen Kilgariff is back on the show. Before we get to that, I was looking through my email, and I found this story that isn't really that spooky, but whatever, We we gotta go over this one. Okay. This one comes from Abigail. Abigail writes, hi, Roz. About a year ago, my boyfriend and I were traveling to San Diego for a conference. The conference took place at the Hotel del Coronado, which is notorious for being haunted by, quote, beautiful stranger, Kate Morgan. This was fascinating to me. So I listened to a few podcasts and read about Kate. In short, She showed up at the hotel, used an alias, and stayed in her room for days before allegedly dying by suicide on the staircase. Her stay and her death were both suspicious. Our room was booked by the organization hosting the conference, so we didn't know where we were staying until we arrived. We picked up our key and headed to our room, and just before we got there, I stopped him. I googled Kate's room number, and it was the room we were staying in. After we went in, I made a statement about how we were just there to visit, that we didn't mean any harm, and we would be respectful. I also asked her not to do anything on Thursday morning because I had to take a test in the room. If Kate was there with us... She was a fabulous hostess because we didn't have any paranormal experiences. What we did have, however, was a lot of other hotel guests showing up at all hours of the night to talk to Kate. For the most part, it was harmless. People would knock on the doors repeatedly, and sometimes my boyfriend would knock back for fun. Another time, we were making small talk with a family in the elevator, and when we shared that we were in the haunted room, the dad asked if he could come in and see it. His wife reminded him that that was an odd request. The weirdest encounter was when a seemingly drunk dad and his children showed up and banged on our door for 45 minutes. They tried to look through the peephole, and they were trying to unlock the door. The dad kept talking directly to Kate about her death. See attached recordings. In hindsight, I would have opened the door or asked them to leave, but I really didn't even want to deal with that. Thanks, Abby. And now Abby did include some recordings that I don't know if they would play necessarily as well on the podcast. So, I won't I won't include them here, but I did I did watch the videos and there is indeed a drunk dad talking <laughs> through the door. <laughs> You, <laughs> the ghost. Um, and I love that your boyfriend knocked back because oh my god, that's that is where I would have started. If it was me, I would have been on the other side of that door. Oh my god. I would have been like, if you slip a twenty under the door, I won't haunt you tonight. Or like something, you know what I mean? I would have tried to I would have tried to make money out of it. I'll be honest with you. But Um, that is so funny and strange that that happened. That is a a very iconic resort that I have stayed at before. And I I have gone looking for the ghost of Kate and have not encountered her, but it's a very famous story here in California. And I've stayed there before. It's from the movie Some Like It Hot as well with Marilyn Monroe. It's a great place. People should check it out. But don't bother, because people actually do sleep in those rooms. Don't don't be weird. Oh, and one other thing. How could I forget this? I have a very exciting announcement. In Los Angeles on March 5th, 2024, I am going to be doing a live show, honey. A live ghosted recorded in front of a studio audience. And this is going to be the biggest one I have ever had. It's going to be in a larger space than I've ever done. Largo at the Coronet Theater in Los Angeles, which is such an iconic place. I love performing there. And from talking to some staff members, they have told me that it is believed that the place is haunted. It has quite the history. So I will be on stage with some celebrity guests, some favorites of yours. We're going to be talking spooky dolls. We're going to be doing some psychic-y kind of stuff. I have a lot up my sleeve for this one. So please come to the show. I have got a link in my bio on Instagram at Roz Hernandez, or you can just go to Largo's website, which is largo-la.com. I'll see you there. Anyway, here's another conversation between me And the iconic Karen Gilgarev. I'm with the show. All right, everybody, be cool. The boss is here. I am joined today by podcasting icon and executive producer of this very podcast, actually. Mm. You know her from My Favorite Murder and Do You Need a Ride? It is... Karen Kilgarev.
0: Ruzz. How are you? Hi.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming back.
0: Were you waiting for a whole song? I wanted to do a little, like, opening moment.
1: Well, often when I think of you, I think of how beautiful your singing voice is. And people know it from the theme songs of the podcasts that you're on. I told you this before, I'm obsessed with your live (laughs) album. I love it. Thank you, Roz. Your voice is gorgeous, and I think you're hilarious.
0: I appreciate that. I think a worthwhile thing to say on the back of that compliment, I did not want to do that album. (laughs) I was very scared to do it Uh and thought it was kind of a bad idea. And I remembered having met one time Elliot Smith at Largo in the early 2000s. He came on and was like the musical guest on a comedy show that me and Marilyn Lynn Rice Cub did as the Girls Guitar Club, mm-hmm. which was our first kind of version of playing music publicly. And we were terrible. And that was the whole bit is we don't know how to play guitar and we're going to do a concert anyway. Like he was friends with the owner, whatever, agreed to come and do like three songs. There were no joke, like maybe 12 people in the audience Uh, At the most, my friend David Knowles was there, who I went to grammar school and high school with. And he was like, I can't believe I got to be here for this. That was the craziest experience of like a private Elliott Smith show, essentially.
1: Cool.
0: Right? And after the show, I remember standing there watching him talk about how much he hates his own singing voice. And I was like, you just enthralled Like, you made people in this room feel like they were lucky to be here and lucky to be alive. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to take part in that in any way. You're going to just always have to say no to that. Like, it made me sad, but it also made me go like, this is why they say, you know, Martha Graham or whoever says, whatever you do, whatever you put out there, it's none of your business. Like, once it's out of you and people think this or that of it, just get away from that because... You're the last person who can judge what you do. I took those two ideas, smashed them together, and was like, I'm going to make this record. And then I did. And I'm glad I did.
1: Cool.
0: (laughs) Karen. Yes, Roz?
1: First question. Okay. What is ghosts?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Webster's Dictionary defines ghosts as the plural of ghost.
1: (laughs) So you've been on the show before. Mm -hmm. You've told one of the most iconic ghost stories (laughs) in the history of podcasting. Yes, It's a good one. People go back and listen. It was recorded in early, mid 2020 at some point. Can't remember what else was going on at that time, but you need to listen to the story. It's real good. But since then, I mean, have you had any other experiences of any sort?
0: Well... I guess this is one, but there's no ghost hugging. I wasn't directly impacted, but my Aunt Jean's house, it's just really funny because it's been in the family for a while. Some people bought it 10 years ago. They sold it back. Now the family has it again. It's very exciting. And so we're there a lot more kind of redoing it. It's a fixer-upper. So when I was 12 years old, my Uncle Steve, who used to live there, died of a heart attack. And he was 50 years old. He was three years younger than me right now. Oh, wow. And he just dropped dead. I mean, he smoked several packs of cigarettes a day. It was a very, you know, mid-70s lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But it was, of course, incredibly shocking and, like, no one saw coming. And so when the next generation came and, like, my cousin who had been out of town came back to town, got married, started a family, his two toddlers who were, like, you know, two and four, say, wouldn't go into the house. <clears throat> so they would always go, and he would go up there to, you know, see his mom and get stuff. They wouldn't go play in the front room. They sat on the front porch always, and they didn't want to go inside.
1: But it's just Uncle Steve! I
0: know, but they never knew him, right?
1: Oh, so they're like, who's that man?
0: They don't know who the man is. Also, then, I guess my cousin found out, The original house, and it was like a little farmhouse on this property, the wife shot the husband in the house.
1: Oh, my God.
0: So it was just a very interesting thing because then I went out there one day (laughs) by myself, and I thought I was going to record a podcast out there because I was staying with my dad. But I was like, I just need some quiet, so I'll go set up out there. Well, suddenly the Wi-Fi doesn't work. All Everything kind of goes on the fritz. And my dogs, who are just like free to roam because it's like a big kind of a field next to a driveway or whatever, they were sitting on the front porch. They were waiting for me. They didn't want to be outside anymore, but they wouldn't come into the house, which I've never seen them do.
1: Oh, my God.
0: There was just that kind of feeling of like, oh, yeah, this is going to be a consideration like if I stay out here, or if my sister and I stay out or whatever. If everybody goes like, hey, let's have a slumber party, it's like... But also there could be a little bit of maybe some dark energy or just some trapped energy. We don't know.
1: Do you think those people that bought the house and then sold it back, do you think that they probably had experiences with the ghosts?
0: Yeah, I don't see how you couldn't because he's been there since 1982. Wow. And my adult cousin said he's seen things like out of his peripheral vision. Like he's definitely had a bunch of experiences in that house. So I don't know.
1: I hear a lot of these stories with, like, a family member that sticks around. It's not like your stories of things are flying all the time. And, like, it's not that. But, like, every once in a while you get a little smell or a little, a little, what was that? Oh, it's Uncle Steve. Like, that's how the house I grew up in was my grandma. It would be like, oh, she's here.
0: Yeah. People feel things on the back of their neck. Or like a touch on their back, but no one's there. They're the only one there. <laughs> There's that. But it is secondhand, so I can't personally verify, but it's the kind of thing where it's just like, well, it makes a lot of sense because he certainly had no intention of going anywhere. And Right. Right? The piece of ghost theory that I like is that idea that we're all just energy and it's all energy exchange. And if you're timeline is suddenly stopped and the energy is like spikes or whatever. I don't know. That piece of it makes sense to me. Totally. Like energy left behind because that already happens, like human radiation kind of.
1: Absolutely. Like, yeah, where's that going to go? <laughs> and if you're like, wait a second, I'm dead? Like, not yet. Like, no, this is my house. Yes. I'm going to go about my life. I don't know. I see it for sure.
0: It makes sense. And also, I think, although my Uncle Steve was a lovely human being and very fun and very great. He was one of those dads that was absentee for his kids. So Mm -hmm. then when we came around, like we were the next-door neighbors, when we came around, I was two years old. So it was like he got to do it all over again, but he was home and like working on this little farm. And so I think there's a chance that as he lay dying in his own garage, he had all these horrible regrets of like, what he did not didn't do concerning his family. And I think that might be the thing that makes people stick around. Yeah, Unfinished business. But maybe that's just all the movies I've seen.
1: For my grandma, I always thought that it was because I was the youngest grandchild and she didn't have enough time with me. Mm. So she would like stick around to be like, I'm your grandma too. <laughs> that was my theory. And it felt like
0: loving to you?
1: Yeah, but it's still a ghost to me. Yeah. I always say this, but like, I don't care who you are. If you're going to disappear in front of my eyes, (laughs) you're terrifying, (laughs) grandma or not.
0: Now, do you ascribe to any of those like ghost horror movie tropes where like they don't know they're dead? They don't know they're scaring you because they think they're just in the room with you?
1: Oh, I definitely think that that is a thing as well, where sometimes it's a ghost that's just like hey guys and then everyone's <laughs> like ah! <laughs> or just like you have something on your shoulder and they're like oh let me just get that for you and then you're like
0: something touched me my shoulder's freezing cold i can't move it
1: yeah or i think it's a lot of like tiptoeing around the house like i don't want to bother anybody and then they bump into something and then something <laughs> falls over and then everyone screams <laughs> I definitely think it's a lot of innocent, they don't want to scare you. Right. And then there's the ones that are like how I would be, frankly, which is, here we go. I'm a ghost. I am going to scare you now.
0: Intentional.
1: Of course. Oh, my <laughs> God. It's theater. I would be like, let's go. I'm playing the part of a ghost now, and I'm going to spook you. Yeah. How great is it if you love a house that you live in and then there's people that move in that you're like, I don't like these people. I'm going to scare them out of (laughs) here. I have nowhere else to be. I'm dead. Yeah. Like, might as well have fun with it.
0: That's what we call the Beetlejuice approach.
1: The Beetlejuice. (laughs) Wait, have you ever looked into, as the host of My Favorite Murder, what the story is with the woman that shot her husband?
0: No, I just found out about it. All that stuff was a recent thing that happened with my aunt's house. So all the stories are, like, coming back now. So everyone just started to talk about these things where my cousin's like, did ever tell you about that time that I was there? And then something just touched my back where I was like, hold on. Ugh. I didn't know it was to the extent that it was, like, while I was away in the 90s, 2000s, they were, like, growing up there and having uh, these weird experiences. Oh, my God. So.
1: Well, I did a little research.
0: Oh, About that?
1: No, not that. Something else. Sorry.
0: (laughs) I was like, what are the (laughs) odds?
1: I happen to know ahead of time. No. uh, But I did do some research about a completely different case. Okay. This one takes place in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Ooh. You ever been? No. Me neither.
0: I don't know Connecticut except for in movies that's where rich people who do business in New York live.
1: Rich people love it. And ghosts love it. Do they? Yes. There's been a couple of famous... I mean, there's the movie The Haunting in Connecticut, which is based on a true story. Um, This one is not that, but (laughs) it is famous. It is known often as the Bridgeport Poltergeist. Ooh. (laughs) So how do you feel about a poltergeist, first of all?
0: I feel like they're the ones where you have... Like, the least chance for reason or for wrapping it up in a reasonable way. Yeah. Based on the movies I've seen and the books I've read. poltergeists just don't give a shit. They're doing a whole other thing. They could be (laughs) a demon or they could be a restless spirit. Their grave was paved over. The house was built over Mm -hmm. something. Yeah. Then they get into people and you get the whole Amityville horror thing happening. You know what I mean? Like, it's that... Truly scary ghosts.
1: Dangerous. I'm always like, if it's something that's moving things around all the time, like, why couldn't it just pick up a knife and stab you? Like, Yeah. And a lot of times there's, yeah, kind of no rhyme or reason. A lot of times it's believed to be telekinesis or psychokinesis, kind of Carrie vibes stemming from a person. Yes. Where they can't necessarily control it. I mean, Carrie, she really had control of it.
0: Until her emotions were triggered at the prom.
1: Yes. But even with that, she could turn her those big old bug eyes and then she could make, you know, the fire hose spray the people. Like, a That's lot her. of times it's just like, ah, I've got a lot of emotions and hormones and whatever. And then, like, <laughs> things are just, like, flying off the walls and, like, they can't control it per se. Yes, that makes sense. <sighs> and I want telekinesis so bad. <laughs> And I'm trying hard and i
0: You want to feel that experience of the chaos of it or you just want superpowers?
1: I want superpowers. Yeah. Well, I will say something that I've done before. And I don't think I am the first person to do this. But I have, <laughs> I have encountered people that have given me attitude out in public. Mm-hmm. And I act like I'm going to put a curse on them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what is that? Through gesturing or v- words? How?
1: I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) make it seem like I'm putting a curse on him.
0: Listener, she curled up kind of like a Halloween cat, (laughs) but then this big smile came across her face, and then she just did zapping fingers. That's that's the curse. I mean, I would be scared shitless if that happened to me at the grocery store.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) This is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as June herself. watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Anyway, I don't have superpowers, but you know what? In Bridgeport, Connecticut, there was a house. That had superpowers. A lot of my research came from a channel on YouTube called Pandox. Pandox? Yep, Pandox. Okay. As well as um, there was an article from The Lineup, which was really good. And then I also found some witness interviews on YouTube. So this took place in the 70s. We're talking about 966 Lindley Street in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's a house. That is small. Three bedrooms, built in 1923. All right, let's meet our stars. Jerry and Laura Gooden. They move in in 1960. Jerry, he's an electrician. He had dreams of being a priest when he was younger. Oh. They adopted a girl named Marcy. And Laura was homeschooling Marcy because she had a hard time at school. She wasn't getting along with kids, and there was lots of bullying. So... They brought her home for homeschool. And about a year after they had brought her home, now I don't know if it's connected or not, but nothing really happened in the house from 1960 until 1972. So they adopted her, I believe, around 1971. 1972 is the first time something poltergeisty happened. Okay. So they call the police because they keep hearing rhythmic knocking on the walls in the middle of the night, and it would last into the morning. Now, of course, it's like they they go out, they look. They don't just jump to calling the police. <laughs> and even with police, a lot of these stories, I'm not going to lie, there's a lot of similarities to these. It usually starts with you call the police because you don't know who to call. You just hear that it sounds like a human is knocking. Yes. And then the police will come, and they'll be like, oh, it's nothing. <laughs> Whatever. It gets more interesting with the police as we go on here. So they're calling everyone at this point. They call the gas people. They call the plumbers. Everyone's like, girl, Jerry Gooden, there's nobody. It's just knocking, and we don't know. So then they start seeing handprints Mm -mm. and footprints around the house with no explanation. Different things start happening around the house, like windows shattering, curtains falling, and honey, the knockers kept on knocking. (laughs) (laughs) In 1974, so it's been two years of this now, this is when the poltergeist, she's like, I am warmed up and I am ready for my moment.
0: Let's do this. Let's knock some vases off the mantle.
1: Exactly. So Jerry and Laura Gooden, they come home one day from the Piggly Wiggly or some kind of, they were at a grocery store. (laughs) It's November 23rd. So around Thanksgiving time, they probably had arms full of turkeys. (laughs) They come into the house, and their daughter, Marcy... Well, I should say, she's also... Her name was Marcia, but also went by Marcy. She's taking a nap, and they come into the house, and they're like, Marcy, what is going on in here? The TV is laying face down. Jerry, like, puts it back where it belongs, and he goes to get some of these groceries out. And Jerry and Laura say, at this moment, they started seeing dishes levitate out of the sink and smash. What... Knives start flying. <laughs> the refrigerator begins floating and rotating in the air. And What? Apparently they had three in this house, which is great. I mean... Rich. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty great. Yeah, it is. So three televisions, um, the main one, fell on Laura's toes <laughs> and it broke one of them. Ooh. So they're over here like, ooh, okay. Like this is weird. Uh, this has never happened in our house before. And they're like, "Whatever. Let's just make some dinner. We're gonna eat it." Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> now, if this was you, where would you be at? If all of a sudden you've lived in this house now for fourteen years and nothing like this has ever happened,
0: I gotta say, the second <laughs> knives rise up out of the straining rack or whatever it's called, the drying rack, yeah, and start flying anywhere. Goodbye. By And then the refrigerator part, which is like, so did the refrigerator land and you had to plug it back in? Like, how is it possible? So they're just going to go into full denial and be like, get stuff out of the fridge and fry it up in a pan. Like, how scared would you be?
1: Yeah, just ignore it. Just ignore it and eat
0: a full meal.
1: Oh, pass the cranberry sauce.
0: <laughs> get prepared for Thanksgiving with our pre-Thanksgiving meals. I just would leave the house... I think I would first involve a neighbor because I think you're right. When you involve the police, it's just an official who's going to come and tell you you're crazy, I feel like.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, on average, I don't think it's easy to get the police to do a buy-in on a full poltergeist taunting. Exactly. But I, I would get a neighbor kind of like, can you please look?
1: I recently was scrolling, and I don't know if it was America's Got Talent or one of these, but I saw that old classic act where they chuck a knife or shoot a bow and arrow with a person got an apple on their head. Yeah. How is that still a... (laughs) I don't know. Sorry. I was just thinking about that when I was thinking about (laughs) knives being thrown. Oh, no. It was like one of these ones where the person's kind of like got their arms out and the person's chucking knives around their body and into the wood. You better hope that it's the ghost of that person because (laughs) I don't want them hitting me.
0: Well, can I say the one thing I know about those things, and this is a bit of a ruin, it's the boards they're leaning against. The knives are coming out of those boards. No. Yeah, yeah.
1: So where does the knife go when they throw it?
0: They don't throw it. (gasps) Their hand goes down, right? No. It's still in their hand. (gasps) But you're never looking at that because, oh my God, this person could get hit with a knife. All eyes are on the person on the board. (gasps) The reason we're still seeing that trick up into today and it hasn't advanced is because they have to make a new board with a thing that's like effectively that distracting to come out of it working on talk shows i learned a lot of like <laughs> behind the scenes heartbreaker like magic and entertainment secrets <laughs> <laughs> I was at one party once where I told one of them and everyone got so bummed out and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'm not going to do that anymore." But that one is kind of a vaudeville classic.
1: Now I want that job. Now I want to be the lady <laughs> that just has to lay there. Yep. That sounds like a great gig, okay?
0: There's no risk. There's no risk.
1: You just lay there. You don't even have to move, and then everyone yep. applauds and they're <laughs> so concerned about you and everyone's focused on you. I want that job.
0: And you get to dress like a champion ice skater. That's the only chance you get to wear kind of like a beaded leotard, right? Kind of fishnet combo.
1: Unless you're me.
0: Unless, one so am I? Who am I talking to? Realize
1: who you're talking to. All I have Please. is ice skater regalia. <laughs> <laughs> no ice skates. Just, <laughs> just from Ski the boots. ankle up. Yeah. Um, so back to the story. Yes. So they're eating their dinner and throughout that night, the kitchen table and chairs topple over, curtain rods are fallen left and right. Don't you dare forget about the knocking. <laughs> so the next So they're they're powering through. They're just like eat your vegetables, like Exactly. Yep.
0: Wow. Okay. Very Connecticut.
1: Yes. And we have to keep in mind that this is a Catholic family because the man wanted to be a priest when he was a kid.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
1: So, I don't know. I feel like that plays into some of this a little bit as we go on here. Okay, so the next morning, they wake up. Mm, That was weird last night, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) Jerry is walking around the house, and the house is tore up. Mm. These poltergeists had a rager when they were sleeping. And... Curiously, what he notices is that the family's pictures of Jesus are ripped and the crucifixes are damaged. Mm. Also, some other stuff that's happening on this morning. The recliners are opening and closing on their own, <laughs> which sounds kind of cool.
0: That, it would look great.
1: That sounds cool, yeah.
0: It would be really fun.
1: The TV is, I guess, playing the sound of a doorbell. I don't know what that's all about. Mm. This is when they decide, we got to get out of here. And... They actually do have a friend that they call over to take a look. Um, Of course, they call the cops. And Laura goes to the hospital because she broke her one toe from the TV falling on it.
0: Yeah. Although you can't, they can't do anything for you at the hospital. Save your money and tape your toes together because there's nothing that can be done. Just a tip from me.
1: I know. Um, So they call this officer over. He goes in. And sure enough, the poltergeist is like, I don't care if it's a cop. Come on in. (laughs) I'm not going anywhere. And he goes in and he looks around and he does he does one of these. "Uh, We're going to need a bigger boat. He calls back up. At this point, there's a whole gaggle of police officers that are snooping Mm. around the house and they are seeing TVs and refrigerators floating A crucifix spun around at one point and hit one of them in the chest. Mm -mm. As this one day is going on, um, the firemen get there. There's approximately 20 witnesses in the house. Wow. And it's at this point that the smell of sulfur fills the air.
0: (laughs) I was just going to say this sounds like demons are involved. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: That's a guess, though. You tell me.
1: It's a very educated guess okay. based on what we know. Mm. Or, you know, the smell of sulfur fills the air, and cops look at each other, they say, Whoever smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> and the poltergeist said, It's me, bitch.
0: It's me, bitch. <laughs> Hi, I'm the problem. It's me.
1: Um, so one officer actually ran out of the house and claims. Here's the thing. Karen. Yeah, If there weren't official police reports about this, of which there are many, I would be like, what? Yeah. Because these cops, I mean, they can't be falsifying reports. They are saying what they experienced in these reports. Yeah. And there's this one <laughs> who runs out of the house and says, I am about to quit my job because he claims that their cat started talking to him. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: I've never heard of that in a poltergeist story.
1: Oh, you've never seen Hocus Pocus? (laughs) Are we just going to erase the contributions of Thackeray Binks? Or was it Max from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the 90s sitcom?
0: Well, what did the cat say? Did the cop say? (laughs) Is it quoted?
1: <laughs> that I don't know specifically, mm. but this cop was very concerned and very convinced. That would be scary. Yeah, I would quit my job. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> one of their neighbors was into this kind of stuff, and she's like, Oh, I know who to call. Mm. Ed and Lorraine Warren. Legends. So you know about these people? Oh, yeah. Okay. Now they're controversial, mm-hmm. especially in hindsight. My thing I always say about them, I think it's great what they did for, you know, getting the word out about this kind of study and whatever. But they're very Jesus-y. Everything's a demon to them. Yeah. I have spoken to a few people that have worked with them in the past that did not love what they did. I don't know. There's also some other tell-alls that have been done. Do your own research, people. But anyway.
0: If it's not a thing where you can get a license for it or there's, like, school for it or whatever, these are people that are— Saying, we made up a service, and we're telling you how reality is. Exactly. Which is one perspective, and maybe they help, but also, yeah, that's very interesting. I just always saw them as good only because during the Conjuring film series, they always come in when <laughs> yes. people need the most. And, you know, it's so heartwarming to have Patrick Wilson in your house when you're scared.
1: absolutely.
0: But, yeah, I could see where they're their own energy coming in.
1: Yes, and, you know, I think those are based on a true story <laughs> from what I've heard. Yeah. So I don't know. But anyway, so they call them in. They didn't live too far away from there. They arrive. They got a priest and a seminary student with them. I mean, they are, again, very. they're very Catholic. So at this point, the cops are outside doing crowd control because word has spread. Oh, shit. Yeah. There's not much going on in Bridgeport that day.
0: <laughs> the cop that the cat talked to just went screaming into the streets and was t- telling everyone he could find.
1: <laughs> Come on over. We got a poltergeist. We got refrigerators <laughs> flying. Um, I saw an interview with Ed Warren. Well, it was with Ed and Lorraine Warren on YouTube. And Ed says there was between ten and 15,000 people outside of the house. What? That's what he says. <laughs> And Lorraine in this interview says for forty eight hours it was the number one international headline. This house because there were so many witnesses. I mean, a refrigerator lifting, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'd want to see that for myself, for sure. Um, this is the point of the story where I would be out there selling merch. Okay, <laughs> I'd be making T shirts, keychains, beer koozies. <laughs> I got knocked at the <laughs> Bridgeport Guys. Like, I don't know. I would come up with something real quick and try to make some money.
0: Hell yes. A talking cat. The cat has a little talking bubble that says, come on over to the house on Haunted Lane.
1: Absolutely. I would be making talking cats, talking cat ventriloquist dummies, <laughs> all of it. So at this point, everyone is looking at Marcy. They're like, girl, what's going on here? Like, they're thinking that she has something to do with it. Whether it's paranormally, like, she's the root of it, Mm -hmm. of this poltergeist. Or is she the one that's, like, somehow doing all this stuff to get more attention? A hoaxer. Yeah, a hoaxer. How
0: old was Marcy? Sorry.
1: You know, I couldn't find an exact number. I believe at the oldest, she would be preteen based on what I was reading. Got you. One thing I was reading about the cops showed up and they thought it was kind of weird that she was just sitting there watching cartoons. But, yeah, somewhere between baby and 13. (laughs) Somewhere in there is my guess. So everyone's looking at her. Personally, my number one suspect would be the cat. I think that the cat could be throwing things and causing some of the chaos. So Lorraine Warren goes into Marcy's room, and she gets nauseous. She says that she starts to see a second-degree burn forming on her wrist.
0: On Lorraine's own wrist?
1: Yes. That's what she says. Okay. Um, Marcy is sitting on a recliner, talking to the police. <laughs> Karen, this is insane. What? They say <laughs> she's talking to the police. She's sitting on the recliner. The whole 70s recliner. Yes raises to the ceiling, flipped 360 degrees, and it dropped around the ground. Ooh. If I saw a recliner, a big old lazy boy, with a little girl in it, lifting to the... Like, there's no... It just sounds so insane. But again, there's a lot of witnesses, so... Right.
0: There's a lot of witnesses. And also, now we're moving into the nobody-is-safe realm because if it's, like, an entity that's trying to hurt a child... To me, that feels like it's next level in the haunting movie that I'm watching, yeah. there's one thing when it's like the vase is knocking around, and it's generally scaring people. but it's like it wants to harm that child potentially or use the child as a example. like everybody get out of there,
1: yeah, breaking toes, throwing <laughs> crucifixes, throwing knives. It's just not Mm-mm. it's not a safe place. And again, this part of the story is all just three days and nights, Wow it was all happening at once and at this point ed and lorraine warren come to a very logical conclusion they say all right it's demons (laughs) that's what we've diagnosed this hundred percent it's got to be demons so one day in these three days the kitchen starts to get cold and the lights flicker and a yellow mist is forming Jerry claims that he saw four figures in it. Ew. He starts saying prayers. He's spraying holy water all over the place. He's going through the house, and he says that the figures are following him around. Mm-hmm. The priest and the Warrens come back to bless the house, and they say that they saw a shadowy figure. Then Marcy, during all this chaos, goes to one of the officers. Hey, psst. Hey, come over here. <laughs> she goes... It's me doing all this shit. What? She makes a confession. She says, it's me. I'm doing it. (laughs) Now, whether she said this or not, we don't know. This is where a little bit of the controversy comes into play because the cops are like, all right, she has admitted it's her. It's just a teenage girl. She's, you know, puppeteering this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's spinning a refrigerator in the air.
1: Yeah. They're like, sure. It's her. Yeah. And they're like, all right, everyone, get out. Like, let's go. And kind of everyone is like, thank God. Like, first of all, very expensive for taxpayers to be paying for the cops. (laughs) That's right. To be, you know, doing all this crowd control. They've got cops parked out there all night. The police chief is over it. So they kind of, I don't know if she really said that or not, but either way, they get to a point where they're like, We're just going to say, it's the little girl. Please, 10,000 people outside, go get a hobby. We're done here. And the Gooden family told the Warrens, all right, we're good. Um, Everyone, yes, is kind of like, but how did she do the refrigerator? Yeah. And all this other stuff, the recliners and I don't know. Apparently, the police chief said publicly, the little girl is a ventriloquist and The cat story that you heard, she is able to throw her voice, and she gave him the old Jeff Dunham, (laughs) and that's that.
0: (laughs) But it was a cat speaking that scared a grown policeman to the degree where he wanted to quit his job, sacrifice his pension, give up everything he maybe worked for for, you know, zero to 15 years. Yeah, It wasn't like a little girl being like,
1: I'm a cat, get out of the house. It's like it was
0: believable enough so that he went running and telling people.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that obviously the police chief was a little embarrassed. Like, I've got my grown men out here in this house saying that cats are talking and refrigerators (laughs) are lifting up in the air. This is not a good look for us. We just got to leave this. And they did. And the Warrens have... Definitely talked about this case a lot over the years. I mean, they're both deceased now, but they talked about it, and they don't believe that it was her, even in a paranormal way, Mm. because stuff would happen when she was, like, miles away from the house. But then I'm a little bit confused because in this one interview I was listening to, Lorraine was saying that apparently... You know, she was adopted, and the last home she was at, there were strange occurrences happening. So, Hmm. either way, this particular case, apparently, it continued for a few weeks and kind of died down. And that is the Bridgeport poltergeist.
0: Okay, can I just say that it reminds me of the original ghost story I told you. Yeah. That happened in college. Same exact thing. We're, we were in such denial, even though weird things were happening and people were going, you know, like, why'd you do the dishes in the middle of the night type of stuff? And we just ignored it and ignored it and ignored it. And then even after it happened, like I had my sister come pick me up and then the next day she just brought me back. It's not like we immediately moved out or anything. Is it just people get so freaked out and overwhelmed where like, as long as things aren't flying across the room, they're like, I guess this is fine
1: yeah, I mean to quit a job or to move out of a house that's so serious. It takes so much out of a person's life. And, yeah, to do that because you believe there's an invisible person throwing things and doing <laughs> dishes and whatever, you feel like a crazy person admitting that, right. And I feel like it gets to this point where you're like, I'm an adult. Come on. This is crazy. Yeah, that's, I think, a lot of times what keeps people around with this stuff. And I'm very grateful for them because then I have stuff to talk about on this podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, and it is a fascinating thing of what does ultimately solve these situations or make them stop happening. Is there some sort of point where the ghost gets what they want? Or is it the people getting to a certain place? Like, if all those events died down, like, what was it? Did anybody get what they wanted? In this scenario.
1: Well, I think, like, when you're a ghost, it's like, where do you go from recliners tipping upside down? <laughs> for real. Like, what can you really do? Because you can go back to just knocking, but that's not going to be satisfying for you once you've already pushed it to that limit. So, yeah, I think the ghost was like, I don't know. what else. I'm, like, out of ideas, honestly. <laughs> like... <laughs> I got the crowd here, and now I feel like I'm a has-been because nobody wants to come around here anymore. And I got the damn cat to start talking. Uh,
0: (laughs) What more do you want from me?
1: (laughs) We're done. (laughs) I'm done.
0: I wonder if you saying Connecticut's really haunted, maybe the ghost goes to a different house. Maybe there's a little bit of that happening.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, I thought I'd throw it out there for
1: theories. Why not? (laughs) I'm open to all of it. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) You know, ghosts can go all over the place, including haunted dolls. Karen, (laughs) can I show you a haunted doll I found on eBay?
0: I wish you would.
1: It's time for a segment I call The Dolls Are Living. (laughs) So, Karen, these can look like anything. Okay, Mm -hmm. haunted dolls come in all kinds of forms. And we love a traditional scary little girl with curly (laughs) hair and lacy dress, and even better if one eyeball's missing. (laughs) But this one, I will say, not so much scary looking. I don't know, maybe to some people, but it does come with a backstory that's really fun. Um, Jiha, if you could please, could you please introduce Karen to Lucius? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so this is Lucius, who is, um, I guess a pumpkin, but it's confusing because he's got arms and legs. He's not just like a circle, so I don't know. He's like, I guess he's like an orange-looking little plushy-type doll. Yeah. With a witch hat on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very clearly a Halloween kind of off-brand Beanie Baby. Yes. You heard of Ty, T-Y? This is by. Okay. <laughs> um, she's not quite a real Beanie Baby, I don't think. No. But anyway, it's not about the outside with Lucius. Okay. It's about what's going on when you buy <laughs> Lucius. So currently, Lucius is going for $46 on eBay. Oh. Here's what it says. He was 43 when he passed away, when one of the members of his coven got mad at him and pushed him off of a roof. He has been a warlock for 20 years and learned a lot. And he started his own coven. They met once a week on a rooftop of a high-rise building that he lived in. They would perform rituals and spells. The new guy in his coven liked to push his views and opinions even though he was a beginner and he seemed to have a temper when someone didn't agree with him. (laughs) At one of their coven meetings, the new guy disagreed with Lucius on how to perform a certain ritual and he started fighting with Lucius. Lucius was trying to calm him down and explain things, but the guy went into a rage and pushed him off of a roof. Now Lucius is looking for a new home. (laughs) (laughs) he will gladly cast his magic spells on your behalf. Just tell him what your need is and politely and respectfully ask him to cast a spell on your behalf and don't forget to thank him. Besides doing magic, he enjoys riding motorcycles and dirt bikes. He also loves watching football. He sometimes turns our lights on and off. He opens and shuts doors and knocks and bangs on doors, walls, and windows. I've even seen him move objects such as a book, coffee cup, pull a chair out, etc. cetera. Um, so that's pretty much it. You interested? I got 46 bucks, Karen.
0: I feel like sometimes people get on platforms like eBay and such, and then they treat it like it's their chance to have a creative
1: writing moment where they're <laughs> just like,
0: let's get in here and let's see what I can do.
1: Especially during the strike. I did notice a lot of these (laughs) during the strike.
0: Yelp reviews that go on and on. Yes. People needing to get it out of them in some way. This has the same feel because I have to say, and maybe that's kind of part of it, is Lucius doesn't look like he would be doing any of those things. And the idea that he was a warlock that got pushed off a roof is really funny when you look at this doll because it just looks like kind of a new doll That someone got in a claw machine at the airport in Las Vegas (laughs) around October. Okay.
1: (laughs) Maybe I should have explained this to you a little bit more. Oh, whoops. No, it's my bad. I I assume that you knew. What? The idea behind these on eBay is that a person lives a life and dies. And rather than going to heaven or hell or anywhere else, they somehow magically end up inside of a doll. Right. I don't know how they choose it. I don't know how it happens. It just somehow, this is the doll that Lucius the Warlock found himself in.
0: That's what I'm calling bullshit on. What I'm saying is, no, we didn't pick this doll. Yeah. This doll looks like it's a, a ripoff Jolly Bee character. It is the weirdest, like, it's almost like there's no design to the doll. It's like a fourth grader made it.
1: Yeah, well. <laughs>
0: There's nothing scary about this doll.
1: Would you own it, though, saying that you don't think it's scary?
0: No, only because it would just collect dust and then I would end up, you know, giving it away or throwing it away or something. Yeah. I just don't see any, there's no enjoyment that can come out of this in any direction (laughs) because it's not pleasant to look at. I know. He has a kind of a gritty, uh, you know, the gritty um, mascot.
1: Yes.
0: He has a rip off gritty vibe to him. He does look like
1: a mascot, for sure.
0: Do you want to buy him? Do you, are you interested in this?
1: Yeah, that's what this was about, Karen. I just, <laughs> I'm in love with this doll, and I was wondering if you think I should buy it.
0: I will absolutely give you $46 if you don't want to spend your own money. I'll sponsor you for the show.
1: Thank you. <laughs> um, Karen, can I play you some ghost voices? Sure. It's time for EVPs. Or EVP, please. All right, Karen, you've done this four years ago. Here's what I do. I go to YouTube or TikTok or wherever fine ghost voices are posted. Mm-hmm. And I find a couple of EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. I'm going to play you two. And I want you to tell me what you hear. Okay, And then I'll give you some options, the correct answer being what the person that posted it believes the ghost is saying. Got it. These are both from the same channel on YouTube, which is called Sinister EVP. This first one is at a cemetery in Rhode Island. What is this ghost saying, Karen? There's a little little clickiness going on there, but you can hear it. I heard
0: definitely a whisper, kind of sounded like a man's voice. Will you play it again?
1: I would love to.
0: Hmm. <laughs> um, it sounded like pool gang, kind of.
1: <laughs> pool gang? Like the gang at the neighborhood pool? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Warning about the pool gang.
1: Pool gang. Let me play it one more time. Mm. I do hear pool gang.
0: But what else could those vowels be saying?
1: Well, I will say Sinister EVP did not think it was pool gang.
0: Okay. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't
1: get that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's one of these four options. Did they think it was A, Armageddon? Mm. B, Come Again? C, Oh My God? <laughs> or D, I'm gay. Okay. (laughs) It's one of those. Let me play it again. Come again. They do believe it was indeed B. Come again.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Congratulations.
0: I'm so excited.
1: Okay. One more. This next one, also from Sinister EVP. This is at their friend Tom's house, which is haunted. Okay. What is it saying? Ooh, another whisper.
0: We play it again.
1: Mm, Hmm, I don't like that. Any guesses?
0: I mean, it almost sounded like welcome home or something, but not the beginning, but like come home at the end.
1: Well, here's some options. Is it A, I'm on Zoom? (laughs) Is it B, in the mood, C, in the room, or D, I'm a ghost, boo. <laughs> okay. It's one of those. In the room. In the room. Karen Kilgarve, two for two. I like this game. I know. It's fun.
0: It's fun and kind of scary.
1: It is.
0: The first one scared me a little bit. There's something about the sound of it I didn't like.
1: Ugh, it's the whisper. But again, <laughs> it's, it's like, could these ghosts just be innocently like, I'm in the room. Just so you know, I don't want to bother. I just want to warn you. Don't want to bother anyone. I'm in the room. Don't like me. Yeah. Yeah, and the first one was saying, what was it? Come again. Come again. Come again, yeah. We loved him. Here. Anytime. It's It's nice to have someone here. I'd love to have you. Okay. We're going to do one last thing. Okay. It's just kind of a rapid fire. Just wanted to see if anything comes up. Maybe an anecdote of some sort. Maybe a theory you have. I don't know. Something. Um, of just different paranormal phenomena. Okay. We'll go through some real quick. Psychics. What do you got to say about psychics? Any thoughts?
0: I be- very much believe in psychics. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's plenty of people who can hear or see or feel things that other people can't, for sure. We know that.
1: Do you go to them or have you?
0: I have in the past. Like when I've gone to, what's that place? The Psychic Eye, that amazing like bookstore. So good. And sometimes they would have like, you could get either a Tarot reading or some sort of psychic reading. They'd always tell me stuff I would just be like, I don't know what you're talking about. But I think that had to do with Myself, mm-hmm. where if people were like, you have brown hair and blue eyes, I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about. It was like kind of that time of life where everything was more like, I don't want to know about myself. Mm. But I've never had like a personal reading from like, because there's so many in LA where people are like, this person's really actually good. Right. There's so many, but I've never had one.
1: Okay. Psychic Eye is an interesting store because it's—I um, definitely think people should check it out. It's a cool place to spend an hour. Um, they also have psychics on staff. It's like, uh, take your pick. Like, there's 20 of them here. Yeah. Um, It's kind of cool.
0: Have you ever had a psychic reading there?
1: A psychic reading? Oh, my <laughs> God. I've had so many. I've also had phone call ones from them, which you can also do.
0: Ooh.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun. You can go in and, like, look through the roster. Kind of reminds me of this one time I watched the show on, like, Cinemax or something where they go to, like, the Bunny Ranch or whatever it is. Like, they line up and they're like, that one. <laughs> it's like that kind of vibe. Like, pick which one you like. And then there's all these ladies with, like, frankly look like me with, like, bangs and long fingernails. And then I'm like, I want that one. That's my psychic. <laughs> Anyway, so uh what do you believe in curses?
0: Mm, I think a little bit. I definitely believe in Italian curses. I think it it depends, yes. <laughs> I'm
1: doing my cat pounce curse.
0: You really you reel back like a cat and then you come forward. Um I mean, because I think that intention of, like, I hope the worst on you is very real. Yeah, And I think it's probably a good idea every once in a while to just get that released or have some, a, like, an old lady bless you in some way so that that doesn't stick to you. But I guess, yes, all the things I just said equal a, a true yes.
1: Yeah. You know what I got is a punching bag. I bought a punching bag
0: Ooh,
1: uh, for a workout. But also, I'm like... If I got bad energy, I'm going to put it in the punching bag. I'm not going to put it on people.
0: Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That's uh. <laughs> but there's also just, like, I think revenge is such a— It's such a drug, such a lure, right? So then you're like, somebody mm-hmm. fucked me over. So now I'm going to— I can figure out a way to, like, permanently ruin their life or something. How could you not want to do that if someone does something I mean, bad to you?
1: You can use it as motivation for sure. Um I feel like that's so many of us here in show business where it's like, <laughs> I'll show you guys. You'll rue the day. Yes. Um, okay, a couple more. Past lives, you believe in it?
0: Not that much. You know what I believe in is uh, Edgar Cayce and those things <gasps> where he would access the Akashic records and all that. Uh-huh. I'm fascinated by that because there was so much of it that turned out to be real and true, provably true, that he was kind of accessing So, yeah, I don't know whether he actually specifically talked about past lives, but that's what that reminded me of. And I think that the idea of that we've been here before, I think, is interesting and as a thing to think about. But actually, like, Mm -hmm. it's me, Cleopatra. I don't really believe in that.
1: That's a lot of times you go to these ladies, you pay them some money, and they say, you were a pharaoh. (laughs) It's always like... You were a pharaoh. You were a war hero. It's never you were some lady named Sarah that just sort of, she was nice. Working at the butcher shop. Yeah, you worked at a butcher shop.
0: Decent human being. Well, also it makes me think of like, I did have grandparents who like both emigrated to America alone or, you know, like with just their siblings in their teens. So it's kind of like they're very heroic to me you don't have to go that far back or be like, it doesn't have to be me personally, because it's like, that is part of me. It's like, those those badasses got me where I am today. I think sometimes maybe if people need to feel a little pride where they can't find it or something, or, you know, that's a good thing to tap into. What if you were a a lady or some sort of lord or something? But it's like, well, that's fine, but you can do an ancestry.com or whatever and figure out the same thing from reality.
1: Totally. Okay, last one. Ouija boards. You believe in them?
0: I think they're real and I don't (gasps) like them at all.
1: Really? Did you ever do one?
0: Yes, I've done them a lot. And I just always heard bad stories. And like people who I went to school with were like, we did a thing and there was actually something in the room with that like freaked out preteen girls. Because that gets real popular like in seventh and eighth grade, when you're still doing slumber parties, you're not like out at a party yet. Uh huh. All that girl energy and like trying to get messages or whatever. I don't know. I think there's a lot to that. And it's just, why are we letting the young girl children play with those
1: things? Totally. (laughs)
0: Why wouldn't you keep it in the hands of the adults? I don't know.
1: I think that that kind of stuff, like you could do the same thing A million different ways. Like, I think you could light a candle and be like, who's here with us? Like, I don't know. There's you could do a lot of things. However, the Ouija board is like, here's a toy. Who wants it? (laughs) Yes. Like
0: there's something very innocently presented, like you're saying about it. But then it's like, but you could also maybe call up the devil. Yeah. We don't know. We're Parker Brothers.
1: We don't know. We don't know. We don't do that part. (laughs) Fun. We just make the board. (laughs) Um, Karen, what an honor to have you back. Thank you for doing this.
0: Roz, I love you.
1: Karen! uh, (laughs) I love you, Karen. Um, People listen to My Favorite Murder, Do You Need a Ride? You're not on Instagram. You don't post on TikTok, right?
0: I watch everybody else's stuff on TikTok and love it and enjoy it, but I don't. Yeah. Same. It's a one-way street. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: There's something behind you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much to Karen. Of course, you know where to find her on My Favorite Murder and Do You Need a Ride, which are two podcasts that I have been on. I have been very honored to be a rare guest on My Favorite Murder, and I know a lot of murderinos listen to this show and I've met a lot of you and thank you and thank you for supporting all of us here at Exactly Right. Guys, I will talk to you next week. I love you all, both living and dead, but if I didn't ask you to haunt me, don't haunt me. Okay, bye! Has been an exactly right production. Want to share your paranormal experience on the podcast? I read stories out loud and sometimes I'll even call you. So email me at ghostedbyroz at gmail.com. You can send a DM or voice message to the show's Instagram at ghostedbyroz. Give us a follow while you're there. And follow me, Roz, on Instagram at rozhernandez Hernandez and on TikTok and Twitter at It's Roz Hernandez. My senior producer is the startling Jiha Lee. Associate producer is the alarming Christina Chamberlain. This episode was mixed and sound designed by the eerie Edson Choi. My guest booker is the petrifying Patrick Kotner. Additional production support from the hair-raising Hannah Kyle Crichton. My theme music is by the spine-chilling Brendan Lynch Salomon. Artwork by the spooky Vanessa Lilac. Photography by the terrifying Elizabeth Karen. Executive produced by the chilling Karen Kilgareth, the spooky Georgia Hardstark, and the frightening Danielle Kramer.